who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Sidewalk Audio presents Shadow Magic. A podcast novel by John Linehan. Read by the author. Chapter 6. Fergal. I stood there at a 45-degree angle with the shoe thief's blade holding me up, and I started to chuckle. I couldn't help it. I was losing it. I held my arms straight out at my sides and laughed. Not a that's-a-funny-joke sort of laugh, but a crazy laugh, the kind of maniacal sound that comes out of Dr. Frankenstein just before he screams, He's alive! Through the golden glow, I could see my opponent was confused. He pushed at my chest a couple times, trying to figure out why I wasn't perforated. Every jab just made me laugh louder. Finally, I rolled off the point of his sword and fell to the ground in hysterics. He stood up fast, leaned over me, and actually poked a couple times. Each prod made the glow return, and I howled. Tears were pouring down my eyes. I saw the thief take off my nikes and carefully pick up his sandals. I could tell he was a bit freaked and ready to run. I tried to compose myself. Wait, I croaked as I struggled to sit up. He started to back away. No, no, wait, I, I repeated as I wiped my eyes on my sleeves. I won't hurt you. Look, I threw my sword away and held up my hands. Sit down for a second. He stopped, still wary. I'm not looking for any trouble, he said. Honest to the gods, I thought you was dead. Well, not dead, but I didn't think you were going to last too long. I believe you, I said. Sit down. He sat a respectable distance away. I rubbed my eyes with my palms, trying to make him focus. The specific pain of before was becoming one giant all-over pain. An improvement, but not much. I think we've gotten off on the wrong foot. He stood up and started to back away. I told you I was sorry about the shoe thing. No, 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 no. Relax, I said, my palms forward. I mean, I don't think we should be fighting. I'm sorry I pulled a sword on you, but I've had a really rough couple of days. Can we start over? I stood up and extended my hand. My name is Connor. He looked me square in the eyes for a time, and then slowly an amazing smile took over his whole face. 
It was so infectious that I couldn't help turning up the corners of my own mouth in reply. He cocked his wrist, and his sword disappeared instantly up his sleeve. He stepped right up and shook my hand enthusiastically, which hurt, and said, They call me Fergal. Pleased to meet you, Connor. The pleasure is all mine, Fergal. So tell, Connor, Fergal asked, like we were old mates, what the hell were you doing lying in a ditch? That is a long story. You wouldn't have a couple of aspirin and a glass of water before I start, would you? I don't know about the other thing, he said, but there's a lovely wee stream down there if you're thirsty. Follow me. We put our shoes on, I picked up my sword, and we climbed out of the ravine. My legs howled in pain as if I had just run a marathon with a sumo wrestler on my back. When we reached the top, I saw that we were in the middle of rolling farmland. Fields of waving grain, periodically interrupted by the odd tree, stretched as far as the eye could see. Where are we? I asked. The fields of Mun. Look, Castle Mun is right up ahead. My eyes were getting better. I looked in the direction of Fergal's finger, and I saw the spires of a castle between two rolling hills. Oh, I get it, Fergal said way too loud for my liking. You were at a shindig at Castle Mun last night, weren't you? I almost said I wish, but then it occurred to me that everyone who knew who I really was had tried to kill me. Maybe, I said, thinking that lying might be a sensible idea. Well, that explains it, Fergal laughed. You wouldn't be the first guy to be found hung over in a ditch after a party at Castle Mun. He slapped me on the back. Felt like I was hit with a sledgehammer. The water made me wonder if I had been drinking sawdust all of my life. It was cool and crystal clear. It hit the back of my throat and made me feel like I would never be thirsty again. That's one of the best things about the land. It forces you to appreciate the simple things in life. Fresh water, fragrant air, magnificent views, and not being dead. All of my problems and pressing engagements from the real world were fading in my mind, except for that nagging image of Sally still waiting outside the movie theater. I thought the party was tonight, Fergal said. Oh, no, I haven't missed it, have I? I could have sworn it was tonight. No, no, you're all right. It was, a, it was an unofficial thing last night, I lied. Tonight's the big night. Oh, I would have been well upset if I missed it, he said, slapping me on the back again. I had to figure out how to break him of that habit. So what are you going to do then, Connor, my friend? Are you on your way home, or are you coming back for a bit of the hair of the dog? What to do? I knew I should keep a low profile, especially when the motto around here seems to be to know Connor is to kill Connor. But what could I do on my own? I had to find my mother and father again. But where were they, and how could I find them without telling people who I was? And a party. Why not? After all, I'll probably get murdered by an in-law before the week is out, so why not party? This Fergal seems like a nice guy, and he is family, which may or may not be a good thing. If I hung around with him, maybe I could come up with a plan before somebody figured out who I was. What the hell, I said. One more night of partying can't kill me. Well, maybe you should go a bit easier tonight. You look awfully rough. Thanks for the advice, I said, and together we set off for a party at Castle Mun. That was a clever bit of magic you pulled back there, Fergal said. Yes, I liked it at the time. It's a snap spell, isn't it? A snap spell, I said. Hey, sorry, 
I shouldn't be prying into another man's magic. No, no, it's okay, I said. I just never heard of a snap spell. A snap spell? It's, it's one that happens just by itself. You don't have to cast it or pay for it or anything. It just happens. Kings put it on their jewels and such to stop them from getting nicked. I never saw a proper one before, till now. I guess it's a snap spell, then, I said. And where'd you get it? Fergal asked. Hmm. What should I say to that? The problem with lying is that it gets you into trouble. I learned that painful lesson last year. I was dating a girl named Dottie when I met Sally. I told Dottie I was going out to dinner with my father when I was really taking Sally to the movies. The next day, I saw Dottie and she said, What'd you have for dinner, popcorn? Man, was I busted. The other problem with lying is you have to remember what you said. And since it seemed like I was going to be doing a lot of lying in the near future, I decided to tell the truth as much as I could. Fergal noticed my hesitancy. Hey, mate, you don't have to tell me anything. I just talk too much and ask too many questions. Just tell me to shut up. That's what all my friends do. No, no, it's okay. The protection spell was a gift from my mother. Oh, nice gift, he said. Must have cost her her weight in gold. I don't know. I never asked. Well, I'm glad she gave it to you. I never stabbed anybody before, and it would have been a shame for you to be the first. There's something about you, he said. I don't know what it is, but it seems like we're old friends already, or should be. You know what I mean? Then he slapped me on the back again. I do, I said, and I meant it. We were definitely related. Fergal didn't know what this feeling was, but I did. My mother's spell confirmed it. We were kin. I slapped Fergal on the back hard so he would know what it felt like. It hurt my hand. That sword of yours appeared like magic, I said. What? This little thing? He clicked his wrist and a long knife popped into his hand with frightening speed. My banshee blade. You're a banshee? I blurted. No, he said sarcastically. What gave it away? Was it the bit of white hair, or was it the bit of white hair? I, uh, I think it must have been the bit of white hair. I smiled and replied as casually as I could. Banshees have a tuft of white hair. I stored that piece of information away. So how'd you get it to pop out so fast? Ah, well, that's the magic part. Here, let me show you. He stopped and took off his shirt. His right arm was strapped with leather in three places. Entwined in the straps was a gold wire that seemed to be on some sort of pulley system. The wire was attached to the blade so as to propel it in and out of the sleeve. The magic's in the gold wire, he said. It cost me a packet. When I need the blade, I do a certain motion. The wire shrinks and poof, instant sword. The spell don't use much gold. The wire's supposed to work for years. Cool, I said. No, he replied. It doesn't get hot or anything. <laughs> no, no, I mean nice. Oh, I could set you up with a guy to make you one if you like. It isn't cheap, though. I'm afraid I'm a bit broke at the moment. <laughs> Me too. You and I have so much in common, he said with another slap. Hey, are you hungry? There's an apple tree over there. Hungry. Now that I thought about it, I was starving. I saw the tree and started jogging. The apples looked even better than the one that my mother had given me. I know I go on and on about trees in the land, but I can't emphasize enough how magnificent they are. 
Never in my life have I ever seen a tree so bountiful. Directly above my head was an apple bigger than my fist. I stared at it for a moment and marveled at how my face reflected in its mirror-like red skin. I bent my knees and jumped to grab it. That's when the bus hit me. You have been listening to Shadow Magic, a podcast novel by John Lenahan. Music gratefully provided by Lunasa. To hear more of their fabulous music, please visit their website, www.lunasa.ie. That's www.lunasa.ie. For more information about Shadow Magic or its author, please visit www.shadowmagic.co.uk Thank you very much for listening.